Hey, Bob, how's it going? Hey, Matt Hayes. All right, are you ready to give a little analysis? Yes, sir. All right, yeah, we were off last week. I was traveling to New York to see my sister, uh, and you went down to Austin. Yes, I did. Went down to Austin, Texas to rip it up with some buddies. We, I took my podcast um, equipment, I guess we'll call it, but it was pretty, it's pretty much just my Mac laptop and the microphone, and we did a little analysis down there, too. So that's what you guys will all hear shortly is a recording from the past, which is fitting because we talked a lot about sci-fi movies. Yeah, I, I love sci-fi, so this is a cool idea. Uh, I mean, for me, just right off, it kind of begins and ends with Aliens and Predator. Of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, that, we, we talked a little about that, too, uh, your your love for Aliens and Predators. And, and it's one of the ones I thought to to talk about as my favorite one, but uh, landed on a couple others instead. So I mean, there's a lot of great classics, obviously. 2001, um, you know, it kind of sets the bar high. But I feel like what... That's number one on most lists, but... yeah. Um, yeah, there was I, I, a lot that we a lot that we tried to cover, and and you know wh- whether Star Wars is technically considered fantasy or whether that's considered sci-fi, and uh, it's a it's a wide topic, but always seems to give really interesting movies and a lot of times really entertaining movies, and so it was a cool one for us to jump into our first post dice conversation. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm a little sad I'm not talking about dice, um, but we'll get through it. Um, no, yeah, but when I think sci-fi, I think a very specific, uh, mostly space exploration stuff. But I, but I know that the genre uh, kind of casts a wide net. Exactly. I, I just, exactly. I, I I have a, a much more focused kind of when I think sci-fi, I think mostly you know like like the the alien offshoots or uh you know like yeah traveling through space. Yeah, and that's, um, that was mine, too, for the most part. But, you know, I mean, obviously, something like Jurassic Park has to be categorized in something in the scientific realm because there's so much science behind it, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and classifying um, movies is always really difficult. It was a big topic when Matt Damon won for The Martian, and it was, and he was going, I didn't know this was a comedy. And the same thing when Leo Leo DiCaprio, everybody drink, won for Wolf of Wall Street. And he was like, I didn't really realize this was a comedy, but, you know, the classification of movies and kind of what is drama, what is comedy, what is sci-fi, what is fantasy, you know, it's kind of hard to fit certain types of movies into a, a perfect square peg or round hole. Yeah. Well, uh Interstellar, for instance, wasn't my favorite movie ever. I liked it a lot more than you did, but I I have a companion, uh, kind of uh, yeah, book that essentially just breaks down all the science in the movie and how the story was developed by Kip Thorne, a astrophysicist, um, and he tried to create as much realism in the film as possible. And you know, Christopher Nolan would say, you know what, I think it's more interesting if this happens instead of what is maybe closer to the truth. So that's it's so steeped in science. Um, stuff like that just interests me. Yeah. As and opposed to like, you know, back to the future, there's an, an element, but it's a bit more campy. Um, I don't know if I would, it's, it's sci-fi just, just for me, it's, it stands out as being either horror creature based or just a bit more darker than like have darker themes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think most of America would say that. But, yeah, there are different subgenres, and we cut all that up 
while we were in Austin. So, and you, uh, when you were in New York, you said you went and saw Jeff Daniels, our boy CMU alumni. Yeah, CMU alum. Uh, so uh, this is the theater queer corner of the podcast. <laughs> uh, talk about shows we've seen. Yeah, I saw Jeff Daniels and uh, Michelle Williams in Blackbird, um, which was a, a, a really cool production. I guess they had done it in 2007. Uh, with Jeff Daniels and Allison Pill. Um, oh yeah, she from um, uh, from the newsroom, newsroom and uh, she was in Milk and a few other things. She's kind of a budding star. Yeah, yeah, and um, I, I guess they. Uh, I, I in the playbill, I was reading an article, an article by the from the director saying like, you know, me and Jeff both both thought that we didn't really go for it back in '07. Oh, cool. Uh, and we you know wanted to put it up again and. Um, yeah, so it, it was cool to see them on stage, if nothing else. I thought Michelle Williams was a little bizarre. I mean, because I read the play going in, and uh, yeah, it was exciting to see Jeff. And and for those who don't really- know, because I had to look this up after you said you saw it, the play is um, basically a a man in his 40s who had an affair with a woman in, who was 13, or a girl who was 13. Now she's in her late 20s, and she is she has found him, He's changed his name and, and something else, but she's gone and she's found him and he's in his 50s and there's a, a confrontation. Yeah, exactly. An uneasy reunion between a woman and a middle-aged man 15 years after he sexually abused her when she was 12. Sounds like a heavy theme, which uh, does not surprise me at all why Michelle Williams gravitated to that because it seems like everything she does is super heavy, but always very good in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, what Blue Valentine sticks out for me. Uh yeah, even her role in um, Shutter Island. She plays the crazy wife who, spoiler alert, drowns her kids. Everybody drink Leonardo DiCaprio. But uh, <laughs> she always just seems to have that, like, oh, my God, that is super heavy kind of character. So Yeah, like, I don't remember her from Seven Heaven at all. Or not, or what, Dawson's Creek? Yeah, she's right? in Dawson's Creek. Yeah, yeah it's not Seven Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I guess I wasn't aware that they're going to turn it into a movie called Una, which is the name of the... The, the female character and it's gonna star Rooney Mara Rooney Mara and Ben Mendelsohn and Ben Mendelsohn's really making moves he's been getting a lot of good reviews on his new TV show and um, yeah I think he's always been really solid and it's kind of cool to see a character actor like that get rewarded with yeah I love that guy um what's his new show I think it's is it bloodline is that what the new one is that he's on oh yeah, well, I mean, on Netflix, they uh, he was a awesome part in in season one. I haven't seen season two yet, um, but I was under the impression that he wouldn't be involved. I guess unless they're doing flashbacks, but not to get give oh, too okay. much away. Um, but anyway, yeah, moving on. Um, uh, I just saw the the lobster, uh, and you did as well. Yep, starring Colin Firth. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. <laughs> Always get those mixed up. Uh, yeah, this was super weird, um, and but very funny. I, I I really liked the first half hour, and then and then it kind of it gets a little stranger. It, 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 it's a very Charlie Kaufman sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good comparison, and it fits into the sci-fi because, as you'll learn, the dystopian movie is a subgenre of sci-fi, and this is set. It's Colin Farrell, and he's in a hotel or um, a commune where you go if you're middle-aged and you're still single, and if you cannot find love within the first, I think it's four weeks, you turn into an animal. 
And that, hence the term, yeah. hence the term lobster, because he's chosen he's going to be a lobster if he's unable to find love. And halfway through the movie, w- without trying to spoil too much, he um, disappears into the woods where some defectors go, uh, and he. Um, but they're so opposite of finding love. They're you know they're so committed to um, being single. They're they're completely committed to not finding love. And so it's a it's kind of a cool little mechanism that they use to make comments on right now people's desperation for finding companionship and also the absurdity about how we go do it. And a lot I, I it, for me I drew a lot to online apps or like online dating and how silly it is that people think that an algorithm or, or or something like that can help you find a companion. And there's one funny scene where this dude, this, this girl at the commune has a runny nose. She has a bloody nose all the time. And this guy keeps banging his head against the wall to prove to her, um, in secrecy that he also has runny noses. And so they're like, oh, these, yeah, two, these two have found each other. And, you know, exactly. they're, a perfect, they're a perfect fit because they each have <laughs> spontaneous nosebleeds. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of, I thought it was a really cool comment on the way people are going about finding companionship and, and even at a desperate level. Yeah, that's so such a good point. But you're filling out your Tinder profile, and you're just like, "Oh, does this person like to ride horses?" Uh, yes. Oh, I, we've got to get coffee together. Oh, I see. Uh, you're from Michigan. I'm from Michigan. Let's talk about Michigan. Okay, let, let's start going on dates. And it's you know, it's yeah. the most superficial, surface level uh, introductions or or ways to find a person for <laughs> yeah. a deep, committed relationship. Any any excuse to to break the ice with like just clawing at any sort of similarities. Yeah. yeah, I think that was clearly what they were going for, and it was really funny. I, um, it does, it definitely has some pretty heavy themes throughout, and but I, I, it does, it, it keeps like a quirky comedy, yeah, kind of underlying. Um, Colin Farrell plays it very uh, straight. He plays it very uh, quiet, but I think it it fits the movie really well. Uh, it's a pretty good cast too. You got John C. Riley as a bit part. Uh, I think his name is just Lisp Man or something. <laughs> Uh, uh, who was the girl Rachel Weiss? Rachel Weiss is the girl he meets and 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 starts to fall for in the woods where you're abandoned. Ben, ben Wish, yeah, Ben Wishaw plays the guy faking his nosebleed. Yes, and then um, who else did we have? There's yeah, there was a um, uh, all there was the the I don't know the woman's name, but the woman who. Uh, is incredibly mean or has a has has an empty heart or something but I, I completely I, heartless yeah completely heartless I, I she's a european actress who has worked with the director before but i thought she was pretty funny um it was a oh, yeah. yeah i thought it was a, a pretty cool little movie i liked to i my favorite part I and mean, this is such a small scene but like just one of the weird oddities of like the rules of the hotel where he wake up, he wakes up every morning, and this this chambermaid who turns down the room rubs her butt in his groin <laughs> until he gets hard, <laughs> and then she walks away as soon as he's hard and like, oh, you uh, you got an erection uh, a lot quicker today. That's good. He's like, oh, that's awful. That's so brutal. That's, that's so terrible. <laughs> yeah, because first she goes, all right, we need to do the thing again. He's like, oh no, please, 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 and you're going, what the yeah, hell like, is she gonna do to him? And then it's just <laughs> get him hard really quick and walk away. Yeah. Just by rubbing. Yeah, just <laughs> sit straight up on the bed, and then she backs her ass into his lap and just shakes her butt on his dick until he's hard. So, so funny. funny. 
Yeah. Oh, it's awful. That's just Yeah, awful. but it's it's a movie that got a it just has been released into theaters recently, but you can also find it on stream sites, I believe. I think you can go to Amazon Prime and pay for it as well. It's one of those kind of Oh, dual I didn't release. know about that. It's yeah, one of those dual kind release. of dual release. So if you're looking to watch it right away, go give it a watch. Go give it a download. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I liked it. All right, well let, let's get to the uh, let's get to your the boys in Austin, huh? Should we, should we should we throw it to Bob? Throw it to Bob in the future. All right, Bob, take it away. Take it away. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. That's no moon. It's a space station. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. So it like being married. You create the world of the dream. We bring the subject into that dream, and they fill it with their subconscious. Don't put that halo on me! Really clown. I'll be back. I'm simply saying that life finds a way. Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty ape! Hello, Matt and Bob from the future. This is Bob talking to you guys down from Austin, Texas. We're on location with a few people, a few buddies of mine, and yeah, we're going to be talking a little bit about sci-fi movies today, because one of the guys on here, Jordan Syphilis Harris, is a big-time sci-fi fan. I also got Mike Hamhawk Hammond with me, and we're on location at is kind of like a 30-year-old birthday party, would you guys sure. say? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a, we're all turning 30 at different points through the year, so we decided to find a general location that likes to party and try to push that college drinking star back up in the sky for one more weekend. <laughs> and uh, we're it's just troubling. trying to rip it up, I guess. But uh, there's been a lot of hangovers, a lot of aches, and... Um, Early nights. Yeah, a lot, lot of 9.30 pass outs. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we're kicking it, and we're doing our best. So anyway, we are taking a break from all that. And if you hear a few beers popping throughout the course of the podcast... Just know what that is, but we're taking a break to do a little analysis of sci-fi movies. So, guys, I know we've been talking a lot this weekend, kind of in general, leading up to us taping today, about what is sci-fi, what constitutes sci-fi, because both of us tried, all three of us tried to find our favorite sci-fi movie, whether that's a current one or something from the past that kind of is dear to us in terms of watching movies and we're kind of like what is sci-fi is this movie sci-fi is that movie sci-fi sci-fi so i'm sure we're going to dig into a little bit about what our definitions of sci-fi is as well as the movies we're going to be talking to and then we're going to wrap it up with a little bit of trivia so i pulled a few sci-fi quotes or definitions of sci-fi offline first one i have from wikipedia which is a internet resource says sci-fi aka sci-fi movie is a film genre that uses science fiction period speculative fictional science-based depictions of phenomena that are not fully accepted by mainstream science such as extraterrestrial life forms alien worlds extensory perception and time travel along with futuristic elements so that's what their definition of sci-fi is another source that i did not note but it's a source is science fiction is a film genre that incorporates hypothetical science-based themes into the plot of the film. Often, this genre incorporates futuristic elements and technologies to explore social, political, and philosophical issues. The film itself is usually set in the future, either on Earth or in space, 
Traditionally, a science fiction film it will incorporate heroes, villains, unexplored locations, fantastical quests, and advanced technology. So we kind of were talking about that, right, Jordan? Yeah, for sure. That's pretty. Those three definitions are pretty wide. Yeah, that's the problem. Sort of. I think. Yeah, because it could be part. monster. So, like, yeah. like is a so, monster movie a sci-fi movie? Yeah. Is you know, yeah. obviously, there's the the main ones that we'll talk about are, are science fiction. But one of the ones I got in, one of the ones that I picked today is Borderline. But it uses science to kind of explore larger themes, advanced science to explore larger themes. So I'm going to put it in sci-fi. Anyway, Mike, you had something to say? I was just going to say, when you gave me the, like when you were talking about sci-fi movies, I just wanted to look up like the top 100 Rotten Tomato movies just to see like yeah, and kind of what's... Because they have science fiction fantasy on there, right? Right, right. And it doesn't make any sense to me. So number one is Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it's not a sci-fi, sci-fi movie. It's not. Well, I mean, it's set in a different world, but I wouldn't. I would consider that a fantasy or. Yeah. A... So what's the difference between fantasy and sci-fi? Well, there's that's the classic the like Star Trek versus Star Wars argument, where Star Trek is more of a based in real science kind of. You know, oh really? I figured then... Star Wars would be more sci-fi, but yeah, you're right. Because when I think I sci-fi, argument... that's one of the. Yo, what's the, the banner science? movies I would think is, is Star Wars Star Wars but it's not on any of the top 10 lists or maybe it's a couple we'll, we'll, well see but the thing is though that's like the force is like a fantasy concept right? that's not yeah science. that's true there's no science yeah there's no science in there. in there that's a fantasy movie to me I think fantasy is most of these sci-fi movies like if you go through and like look at them even any so you think movie, Star Wars is more towards like Lord of the Rings than it is towards 2001 yeah totally okay there's almost no science in it it's just fantasy so I don't get how that would be constituting a sci-fi movie also any animated movie apparently is a sci-fi movie. So Toy Story. Yeah, Toy Story is uh, like there's three yeah. Toy Story movies in the top ten sci-fi. Uh, yeah, like no Wall-E sense. at least has a little science in it, but still like that's definitely a sci-fi. I think movie. Wall-E yeah, is I, definitely I, okay. sci-fi. Okay, yeah. well that kind of will get me going down the rabbit hole of the sh- the subgenres that I found online for different sci-fi movies. That's just subgenre of it. So the first one is the apocalyptic film. So apocalyptic meaning like impending disaster, and their examples oh, right. were Armageddon and Independence yeah, Day. Yeah, like the dystopian future as well, kind of like. Or just that. like so the, the apocalypse, like yeah, there's something coming towards the Earth that's going to cause an apocalypse. So yeah, Armageddon yeah. and Independence Day is like, I guess Independence Day is more of a crossover because it has aliens, yeah. the alien element involved, and. Well, but where's the science in any of these movies? There's yeah, all sorts of science in Armageddon. What are you talking about? There's the whole. This is how we get you guys grounded on a planet to drill in the middle of the hole yeah. and the whole earth. The whole joke yeah. on like... I mean, it's just, horrible. It's, yeah. There's they barely any drillers science. and talking about the astronauts instead of astronauts teaching you how to drill. But it, those it could, I, this is just what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. it fits but, like the first definition you read but the third one where it mentions like scenarios based in science. Like, I don't think that's there's such really a broad anything range. legitimate to like what's happening in Armageddon yeah. if you're like taking it back to the science community. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's very little science in that. So, um, I also think it's an interesting thing to talk about, but ultimately, like, a who cares issue, like, as long as it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna, like, you... take a stand on whether something is considered. And all the movies we have today, right? I would consider good movies regardless. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but, yeah. like, this is, a, this is a genre that's really close to you, Jordan. I know you really get into the, the newest thing. I know me and you kind of went back and forth a lot about Interstellar, and, you know, but it's just, I, I know it's a. Yeah, big fan of the genre, not only because I like seeing science explored and ideas of where it could, like, that science goes in the future, but I also think that as a plot device in these movies, you get to explore a lot of really interesting themes in a way that doesn't make it, like, in-your-face obvious. 
Yeah, we were talking about yeah. how if, if you do a war movie and you have a comment on war, sometimes people will turn their brain off because they want to. They don't want to be connected so closely to the topic. So if you do a war that's like, you know, just something like American Sniper, some people might not connect to the themes as much because, it, it, you know, it might be too heavy for them. Whereas if you cloak it in a science fiction plot where the, where the activity is happening off the planet or, or to another species, say something... Uh, like Avatar, which I know we all loved, um, but no, just kidding. But if you have a, if you have something like like Avatar, where you're trying to talk about like the drilling themes or or just like environmental issues, uh, it's easier sometimes to reach your audience with that theme through the science fiction veil. Well, that's why it's so good because you can you can really approach pretty concept they're like I guess really convoluted ideas and. The science fiction is really confronts you morally on some stuff. Yeah, it's also just interesting. Like, yeah, and Jordan, yeah, I mean, you're a scientist, so I, I'm assuming that kind of plays into your. Yeah, like I'm just like sucked into it when I get to see like Interstellar. Like as many yeah. problems that that movie probably had. Like for me, it was just awesome to get to see the black hole stuff and mm-hmm. the gravity and time stuff. That because that's my problem with fantasy or science fiction. I like science fiction so much more because the fantasy stuff isn't interesting because it's just fake. Right? Mm-hmm. Like the force isn't interesting, but the way gravity changes time on a planet, that's actually a concept. Like, that's way more interesting to think about than something completely make-believe to me. Yeah, and while we're on the topic of Star Wars, because we touched on it twice, what were your guys' opinions of the new Star Wars? Because we kind of have to... We have to talk about this. We're going to talk about well, sci-fi, so... Yeah. I mean, it, it was fine. <laughs> it was all right. Yeah, I didn't really... Uh, it, my, favorite, my favorite bit about it was what Bill Burr said on his podcast, because Bill Burr just fucking hates Star Wars people. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to fucking see Star Wars, but, you know, I'm going to go... Three weeks later, like an adult and sit in a theater and I'm not going to dress up like a damn Martian. Yeah, and he was like, and he was like, the movie is only good compared to itself. Like Star Wars is, it, people are freaking out about the success like of Star Wars franchise. compared to, be compared to other Star Wars movies. Well, so, and I had just yeah. watched the original one leading up to the new movie coming out and this I can't even remember what it's called. The New Hope? Yeah. The original, like, Luke Skywalker one? Yeah, but or, I can't remember not the, the name. Famous. Force Awakens. Yeah. Force Awakens but is the, the new one. But it's the same fucking It's the same movie. Yeah. It's, it's the same, same scene for scene. And that's which, the criticism. Which people love, though. People yeah. love that, that it's the same idea. People like that they didn't try new things with it. Um, people like that the story's kind of getting... But it introduced right. new characters in a successful way. Yeah. It was really well done. Like, objectively, it was well done. It was well acted. It looked great. Yeah. It was good. Getting off topic, too, but... If this is more of like a fantasy type movie, the the thing about fantasy genre that's fun is to explore like that world, and Star Wars has been explored. Like, there's nothing new to discover in the Star movie. Wars universe. Well, but there always is something new in a in a topic like that because you can just invent new worlds. You can invent new like oh, some this fucking guy you've never heard of. Um, but well, yeah, I see what Star you're Wars saying. Star Wars is not doing that. They're it's just rehashing of... the same stuff. So it's yeah. like, all right, now there's a, another Death Star that's even bigger than. Well, buckle up because there's. 14 more movies coming so yeah anyway uh back to the subgenres. we have the disotopian film which is more like mad max or v for vendetta which are my favorite which it says the common themes disotopian include dehumanization the representation of individuality and uniformity the cost of human rights so would be like hunger games hunger games yeah we were talking about it's hunger games a sci-fi movie that would be considered a a sub-genre of sci-fi and then moving down there's time travel that's pretty self-explanatory. Back to the Future and Terminator are the two examples they had there. Alien films also, um, and that's also a, a common subgenre, and that's the most common subgenre, excuse me, and that's like Alien and Predator. Those are the most 
yeah. types of sci-fi movies you have. And then Monsters and Mutants. So they have Monsters and Mutants separate from Aliens. And that's, uh, unlike horror films, this subgenre contains a monster or a mutant that derives from a scientific experiment, such as Godzilla or Cloverfield. Yeah, well, so that, right now, Cloverfield yeah. is not a sci-fi movie. It's not. Well, they have that listed in here, so I, are they saying that there's well, science? Because like I wanted to talk about Cloverfield, and it's, I couldn't find that it was a sci-fi movie, which okay. I don't get, because Godzilla is a sci-fi movie. Godzilla, like, was Even created, movie. but, like something like King Kong is he's not like created through science he's just like a phenomenon yeah. so that's not necessarily sci-fi that's just a monster movie well they're just kind of like making up science to create a situation for the movie okay where it's like not like well they said like, the definition though it, it can't be based in real science because right? that new science it can or can't the okay. new Godzilla can't. movie those <laughs> giant mutant bugs that he had to fight were because they latched onto a reactor in Japan radiation and, yeah yeah so that was like science well, based if, science fiction yeah, but if you go to Cloverfield really like... the mystery of the story so yeah. those plot points aren't going to be there to give you a now, I'm not going to I'm not going to put Cloverfield as sci-fi so I, I guess yeah that's fine yeah bouncing down the road um I have some top 10 lists of sci-fi movies before we get into ours this one was from The Guardian which is a movie web-based oh. thing I've seen them on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff but they're top 10 going from 10 to 1 Matrix, Terminator, or Terminator 2, they have both slashed. Close Encounters, they have Star Wars on here, so they have Star Wars as sci-fi. E.T., Solaris, which I'm oh, sure we're going to talk to uh, talk about soon. Solaris is on this list as number five. Number four is Alien, three, Blade Runner, two, Metropolis, which is the German, the 1920s German movie. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Metropolis. I yeah, I saw it in a film class, yeah. so, but it was, uh, it's interesting. And then 2001 A Space Odyssey is number one. Popular Mechanics. And so this is top ten list chosen by actual science, scientists, mm. which I thought I would be fun to pull. So they have um, War of the Worlds, the 1953 version, not the TC version huh. that was made in like 2003 or whatever. Yeah. Not, the, not Tommy Cruise. Um, but that's number ten. Star Wars 9, Blade Runner 8, Jurassic Park 7, WALL-E 6, Fantastic Voyage. Fantastic Voyage is a movie, I think, in the 60s, um, but that's number five. Alien, Brazil. Yeah, so I didn't see that, but I saw it on every list. I don't know what, even know what that is. 2000, or uh, excuse me, Matrix is number two, and then 2001, A Space Odyssey is number one. Um, and then like a Brazil's a monster movie. I think so. I, it was on every list, and I think it's from like the 50s. I thought it was I like never a heard of it. Terry Gilliam movie. His name, Gilliam, I don't know how you mm-hmm. say his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look it up. Look it up while I read this next list. And uh, finally, back to the future. Or AFI has uh, Back to the Future, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Terminator Two, Alien, Blade Runner, The Day the Earth Stood Still, Clockwork Orange. Question mark? Is that a sci-fi? I mean, set in in a dystopian future. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's that subgenre. Yeah, again, there's no sign. I wouldn't. It's the mind, it's the mental part. E.T., Star Wars, and 2001. So that'll kind of get me into the next topic, which one thing I didn't see on any of these lists, which was a movie that I highly considered as my as my movie, was. Is it Terry Gilliam? Yeah. Terry Gilliam. Okay. Uh, Mike, give us the definition of that Brazil. Yeah, um, it's a bureaucrat in retro future world tries to correct an administrative error and himself becomes an enemy of the state. Okay, sounds sci-fi. It sounds like Blade Runner. 
Sounds something like something like Blade Runner, but um, I didn't see Planet of the Apes on there. And Planet of the Apes was one of the like when I think of the first time I was ever introduced to like science fiction and like the whole idea of space travel. And I remember seeing as a kid and and the idea of like crashing to this new planet and you know the apes talking and 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 you had like sci-fi. That's just like that was what sci-fi was in my brain for so long, and that's not on any of these lists. So I was pretty, kind of surprised that um, I, I saw it on a couple other uh, of the smaller, like lesser known lists at, at top to yeah. eight, nine, or ten. But but yeah, it was just that was one of the ones I thought to have as my own movie. But let's kind of dig into the ones that we chose. So we gave ourselves the homework assignment of picking one movie that's our favorite sci-fi movie, and then one sleeper movie, suggestion movie that people haven't seen yet. So we'll start with Mike. Yeah. Let's start with um. Let's start with everyone's favorite, and then we'll favorite. circle back oh. around to sleepers. So my favorite was Inception. Uh, oh, yep. Which I just rewatched for the first time in probably like a couple of years. So it's really I. Leonardo DiCaprio reference. Everybody drink. <laughs> That's what we play on here. Anytime, anytime Leo's reference on the analysis, people have to drink, and it's quite often. There might be a lot of drinks because of here. my fanship. But so yeah, the Chris Nolan was it two thousand nine or ten. Yeah, two thousand ten or eleven. Chris yeah. Nolan movie Inception, which everyone listening is probably familiar with, gets into people's dreams, it's, man. Yeah, it's, and it's uh, it's a hard plot to kind of break down. So if you haven't seen it, just <laughs> please go watch it. So I don't have to try to explain it to you because it's difficult to explain. Yeah, but the whole thing with Christopher Nolan and time, he's like obsessed with time. Like Interstellar is similar. Yeah, that's actually. a good point. He's he's really into that whole concept and like. And then in Batman, every everything is a bomb with a ticking clock. So we got time there too. <laughs> yeah. Them. Yeah, but that just the concept again. He just approaches enormous concepts. So the idea of like it's an incredible project. I remember, yeah, I remember unreal. reading like, like Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert said that he must have rewrote this movie ten or eleven times. Well, three quarters of the movie is explaining the movie. Yeah, the that's a good point. Like, like explaining the world and how everything works. So much exposition. <laughs> like you're yeah. like I've been watching an hour of exposition, but again, it's but incredibly I, uh, entertaining. Oh yeah, yeah. But but for that movie, why it's interesting to me is. One is great use of special effects in like a good way. It's like really not too special effectsy. In terms of like everything's for his, like the non CGI. Right. So it's, so it's but like the putting Joseph Gordon Levitt in that barrel rotating. room. Yeah, or like or like um, is it Ellen Page? Right. Ellen. Yeah. Ellen Page. When he's walking through that fake city teaching her how to like be an architect or an engineer mm-hmm. of the scene. The whole special effects breakdown there is so cool. Like, because um, it's not CGI. I don't know if you remember the there's a mirror part where she like puts four mirrors together and then breaks a mirror and then like she walks through it but there's no CGI there it's just mm-hmm. the way that they do it and it just, so there's a world created there that doesn't look fake so I yeah. think it really hits home the cast is also mm. it might be one of the best casts in the last like five years in my opinion or it, that was like five pre- years old now that was just when Tom Hardy became like a yeah. Movie. So Tom like Hardy's Tom Hardy's like seventh role. string in this. Yeah, yeah Joseph Gordon-Levitt who's huge. Obviously Leonard. You know, do the sales of greatest actor of all time. Yeah. You've got Michael Caine as his father, I think, or he's he's a professor or some sort of mentor. I'm not sure if it's his father or not. I think it's his father. Yeah. Marion Coltiard, who had already won an Oscar by then. Oh, that's right. Um, oh, that's right. He was the she was the crazy wife. You have who's that Asian? It's um, Ken Watanabe. Ken yeah. You got Cillian Murphy as oh, yeah. as the the dude there inceptioning. Yeah. It's just like a loaded cast, and again, you said it's it's the first time we really got to know Tom Hardy, and when he got eventually cast in Dark Knight Rises, yeah, yeah. they kept going, "Oh, the guy from Inception that everyone thought was really charming." So yeah, and then 
we knew he was going to blow up, obviously. And yeah. Now he's like, I'm, he's, he's the my second, second favorite star actor that, yeah. in that movie now, after Mad Max, <laughs> after Leo. Yeah, yeah. Something I'd say about it too is just that, even though South Park kind of ruined it with that episode where they're like, yeah, just because it's complicated doesn't mean it's good. Which they had is so a, such a great observation. Yeah. South Park took a whole episode, a whole half hour right. episode to They're break so down right. why Inception is not as cool as people thought. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but this is the same thing with Interstellar too. I just have so much, uh, that movie could be awful, right? Inception could be the worst movie ever because there's so much going on. There's so many characters. It's so confusing. Even rewatching it, it took me a minute to remember the plot lines. And I guess that is a fair jab to be like, just because it's complicated. At the same time, though, when you watch the movie, it's in really it's like a thriller, but there's so much going on. I don't know. He doesn't if, treat the audience like they're stupid, basically. I don't know Even if you remember this, but me, you, and Hayes went to see this. Yeah, in the theater. And we walked out of the theater, and we were we were by a, a famous pizza place in Chicago called Pequod's, and we, 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 we went to each other, and we were like, hey, are you hungry, Mike? And you were like, no. It's like, maybe we should get Pequod's. Mike's like, I'm not hungry. And then... We our minds were so blown from the movie that we forgot how to cross the street. We were like, "Do we cross here or do we cross over here?" Yeah, and we were still that. so our minds were so blown. And then halfway through that, Mike goes, "I think I am hungry." <laughs> and it was like the movie had blown your mind so much you yeah. didn't even know whether you were hungry or not. Because that's, still you like, have to rewatch that movie, right? You can't watch it once yeah, so, and really understand well, it. And I, it was so many questions, and I wanted to read so much about it, and I just couldn't. I couldn't process all of it for sure. And I'm a sucker for an original idea. Like yeah. if a movie has covers an original topic, then I eat it up. Yeah, it was, and that's it was certainly original. Now, let's get into yours, Jordan. Who was your? What was your? Uh... Well, as much as I am a huge fan of the genre, I had a really tough time trying to pick a favorite. I don't know that I could, but I think uh, Minority Report fits. The, Minority Report. Fits so we're staying in the two thousands. All this history, two thousand one on the board here, and uh, it goes with Minority Report. Two thousand one is just so classic. Yeah. yeah, it's too it's good. a classic, but it's hard to say that it's you're almost like a turd if you say two thousand one. Right, like that right. guy. Yeah, but I mean, we have to mention before we get into Minority Report, two thousand one. Yeah, I just, just re- rewatched it, yeah, it and it, it still it, holds absolutely up. Absolutely insane! It's still awesome. Yeah, and it speaking of an so original good. idea, yeah, it looks it good. Looks, it looks fine. Like you could like release that movie now, and people wouldn't be like, "Oh, it doesn't look." You know, this is like four. Yeah, years and you, old. That and you movie got... was made before we went to the moon for the first time. That's so That's crazy. Insane. So he was really trying to take like some conceptual sciencey stuff and expand on it yeah. and they killed it there's yeah. so much in that movie that's on so yeah that's gotta, gotta give the shout out to 2001 again but uh, getting the Minority Report I think that is the quintessential sci-fi movie so it's Minority Report like that cause is you the, got the action involved oh my god you have uh, like a well, like TC you got a big star in it yeah, it's yeah. like uh, you know like the Mel Gibsons and all those other uh-huh. uh, or um, um, Harrison Ford yeah it's that kind of thing like in Blade Runner and um it's a great movie. It's, it's Spielberg, so, like Stuart Spielberg. Spielberg. And he loves it's, he loves space. He loves science. I'm surprised he didn't throw an alien in this one. But uh, like, and they cover some with aliens. pretty heavy themes too. And yeah. this movie's actually what 13 years old now. Yeah, it's which yeah. is crazy. Old. God, it's from 30. 2002. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an action movie with Tom Cruise that still covers some pretty heavy themes. Okay. Um, like what what themes are you talking? About? I just well, there's a moral so, theme of like, is this right? If to we like had the power somebody to do before this. they do something, yeah. that's the best part about sci-fi because you can present that that moral conundrum. Because there's a plot device in this movie yeah. that makes it the mechanism of those explore, like yeah. other options. Yeah, just so pre- it's, it's so you can even simplify it more to just un um, or just like arresting people for no reason or I mean you can yeah. you can well, really water. That's why they turn the the writers like, what if that was you? What if you're the guy that arrests people ahead of time for this and mm-hmm. you see yourself? What would you do? Or just and it's unlawful like, I don't know what I would do. Yeah, imprisonment. Well, I right. think uh, 
Spielberg is definitely exploring like a powerful police state who has like unlimited far-reaching powers and like how that could go bad Mm -hmm. and I think he makes it pretty clear in the movie that like the police are acting like too powerfully if that makes sense and he does that and he's used that with um, he's used sci-fi a bunch of times and even places where he shouldn't use sci-fi like Indiana Jones but yeah. he yeah. he's used sci-fi in, e- in E.T. to kind of talk about, like, the state and the state using too much of their power yeah, and, like, strong-arming sure. the little man and, you know, all and that And you stuff. make a movie about, like, a government just being too powerful that takes place today, and people are like, don't preach to me, Spielberg. Yeah. And this is, like, an issue we deal with yeah. today, right? Like, the police are constantly in the news and, like, the abuse of power. And 13 years ago, I mean, he was he was touching on Spot it in Minority Report. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and how's this for symbolism? When the police arrest somebody, the thing that they put on their head is a halo. Okay. Which, like, historically has always been used to show innocence. There you go. So, wow. Did not, so, did not remember that. Nice, uh, nice little, nice there. little ditty yeah. there so, from Mr. Jordan. I think he's making a statement for sure. I mean, yeah. you could watch that movie on its face and be like, oh, it's just like this action movie with people who can see the future. And it's kind mm-hmm. of interesting. And there was a twist. And Yeah. The action scenes in that are really good. When I recently watched it, the one thing I I just love the scene where he has to get his eyes replaced, Mm. and I think about that. I think about the whole like scanning your eyes instead of your thumb eventually, like, and how we were just talking about how when we were kids, they our our school got in trouble because they pretended that it was like police detective day, and they took everyone's fingerprints, and they got a little bit in trouble for it, and and just kind of like having your identity scanned or 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 taken from you at any point, like when you you don't even have an option for it. And the whole thing about him getting his eyes replaced, and then the, the scene where he has to follow the, the rope to the fridge, yeah. and then it's the bad sandwich. Like, why does he have all that junky food? Like, why would you have rotten milk and food just in your fridge next to fresh food that you just put in there? Like, I just, I never, yeah, dude, that that's just, that's like simply sick. there just for a device for Tom Cruise to eat a gross, gross yeah. sandwich. Yeah. yeah. Well, how about just the going back to the retina scanning, and they scan your retinas, and then you're immediately advertised to. Said, welcome mr whatever which is happening now with facebook or any any internet search you have now they, they get on your phone and they know exactly what you're yeah, getting and how to advertise you directly so yeah and that movie like, was ago yeah it's yeah. all over that and it's like is that progress you probably think it is at the time but then afterwards you're like this is not this isn't good you've yeah. got the self-driving cars that's you know oh, they do something that. coming back now or yeah. even just when they there's a scene where he they're like fighting him and colin farrell are fighting in a auto factory and it's just robots assembling the car there's no workers yeah so it's all stuff that's it's a great sci-fi it's not really like important to the movie but it's just kind of cool to see yeah and I, I honestly didn't think about it too much before you brought it up as your movie but yeah it's definitely one that's I mean you, you won't traditionally see it on a list but it's a good it's definitely a good definition of what sci-fi is so. except like the whole precogs being able to see the future and predict murders I mean isn't really based in any kind of like real science they yeah use some it sort of has some fantasy that. elements to it yeah. and and Max Van Sandow who has had like a billion year career in, in the cast you've got Tom Cruise who else is Colin on Colin Farrell who is actually oh yeah Colin Farrell's the good cop yeah yeah, I don't know who made the decision to have Colin Farrell chew gum annoyingly throughout that whole movie, but <laughs> yeah, that's right. This <laughs> driving me crazy. Yeah, like it's got back um, and moving on, the movie I chose, and I went back and forth about this. Uh, the first one I had off the top of my head was Jurassic Park, uh, just because that movie is really special to me. It kind of got me into blockbuster movies. Got me. I remember I, I saw it when I was a little kid. I went full Jurassic Park with all the toys. I had the land, the, the whole Jurassic Park setup, the lunchbox. But I didn't choose Jurassic Park. And then I, I maybe thought about Planet of the Apes because that kind of defined sci-fi for me. 
Um, I'm a big Predator fan. Got to say Predator for Hayes because that's his favorite. But I went with a new movie. So all of our top ones were (laughs) within 2000 or or later. But I went with her, which is the Joaquin Phoenix vehicle that came out a couple years ago. And me and Jordan were just talking about it won the Academy Award for most or best original screenplay. And when you look back on the history of that award show, that award above all of the other ones normally signifies like uh, an iconic movie or a movie that's going to have staying power and yeah, so and more quote my favorite movie each year more so lines up with whatever won best original screenplay than best picture yeah, yeah so i agree and this movie is obviously dealing with what, what people made fun of it for being kind of like siri but obviously he has this operating system who is voiced by hotness scarlett johansson with her husky voice but um and she uh it's joaquin phoenix and you've got um amy adams and and uh, it's not like a load of chris pratt's in it for a, a nice little bit he's yeah. the the i don't know if he's the boss or the receptionist or what does yeah, he do at that card writing store but i forgot that he was even in that yeah, yeah he's way before chris pratt was yeah and uh, oh, you got um, Olivia Wilde in there as yeah. the date. Uh, so a uh, pretty decent cast, but it's mostly Joaquin Phoenix acting his balls off. And this movie gets it. This is ending. Harris was just saying Wait. about how Minority Report was ten years having that kind of like with online dating and all that. It's sort of ahead of the curve on well, like, yeah. where that's going. And it and it definitely has fi- the the scene. Oh, and he sits down with uh, Rooney Mara as his ex-wife yeah, who's also yeah. really good in that one scene that she has but he sits down and, and, and it, it is kind of tapping into people no longer really wanting to have human contact right. or, or or afraid to have human contact or emotions or, or um, relationships it's exploring and, relationships right. and like what it means to be human and interact with like other humans or just in this case maybe it's not human maybe it's like a device do you still get that same sort of like interaction that you get from a normal relationship yeah right so i mean this movie is I've, I've done paintings on this movie i am all about this movie i listened to some of his monologues about what it is to be married and because he's trying to explain to his operating system what it is to be married and he's like it's it's beautiful to share your life with someone and and we we encourage each other to take chances and to and 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 it's a place where we could fail and it's okay to fail and she didn't have that in her life and a lot of things that I'm actually getting goosebumps to think about it right now but a lot of a lot of things that I think about in uh, in and about relationships all the time so this is one that I was I had I had to it was just a movie that it was too hard for me to not say is my favorite cuz it's maybe maybe yeah. I'm a prisoner of the moment cuz it's the newest one but yeah those other ones I, I'll give a shout out to but this is has to be the one that I chose yeah the last thing I'll say in that is it's it's not a tangible thing, right? Like mm-hmm. that relationship stuff isn't, you can't program something that's intangible, but you can't really explain it. And mm-hmm. that's why that seems so good because he's trying to explain. Yeah. It's not just two people like physically together. There's just all this, all this other stuff that you can't really explain. Explaining to something. There, yeah. Explaining to something did. that doesn't know what it's like to love like or have love, what love right. is. Such a great written scene. Right. It's- and it's done over kind of a nice wipe of him riding in that train and the scenery. And I mean, it's it's shot so well, it's done of, like, so well. Stuff in that movie. Just, yeah, yeah Spike. Phone, like the way Spike Jones looks. really crushed this one. So yeah, and as, as we use technology in our everyday lives more and more, you kind of see where this guy's coming from. Like he's so in, intertwined in his life with whatever this device is, his operating system. 
Doesn't he introduce it at one point as his girlfriend? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. starts, yeah, he, they're they are fully dating, and he goes on double dates, like couples dates and stuff. And you it's can great. almost see, like, that we could be heading in that direction. Oh, yeah. Maybe, we are heading in that direction, yeah. for sure. And, and, and you almost, like, sort of get it from his point. Like, yeah, you're just he wants someone to, like, care about him and be into him, and he's getting that from this operating system. And you're like, this is fucking weird, and I kind of get it. Oh, yeah. I love it. And then let's uh, kind of real quick before we get in the trivia, do our sleepers, little suggestion movies. We'll yeah. start with Mike. You had, a, you had a sleeper? Yeah, so before I had any idea we were doing this, maybe three weeks ago, I have Amazon Prime, so then I get the instant. You know, there's like certain movies that are free. They're pretty much the same as Netflix. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just saying, the reason this is important is I'm scrolling through it, looking for <laughs> just a random-ass movie that I don't know, and I, <laughs> and I pull it up. And Please looking... explain to me Amazon Prime. <laughs> no, just, explain just... to the viewers how to use it. Well, use it for shipping, but you, you want to give them their, your login right now. Yeah, are we getting plugs for this. Do we get any ad dollars? Give them your Prime. login. Let's <laughs> let them, let's let the audience uh, enjoy a little bit of Amazon Prime. Anyway, um... no, I'm going through the movies. I never watch the Amazon Prime movies. Is why I'm bringing this up. So I'm, I use it for shipping. I don't care about the movies. Okay. Netflix. So I'm going through, and I'm like Gattaca. I'm like, what the hell? What is oh, this? Yeah. Right. Oh, like, I, yeah. I've never heard of this movie. Ethan Hawke's in it. And Ethan Hawke's pretty much, he's always good for a random, like, he's in, like, lots of good movies. I don't know why. That yeah, a really solid actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I had no expectation, played it, and I, I thought it was awesome, and I had no idea. It's on some list, too. It's on some top ten lists. People really get into it. I actually saw, they pulled NASA on their most realistic sci-fi movie uh, that involves space, and they said this was the most realistic one for screening astronauts and stuff. Oh, cool. That this is actually, like, that's real. Like, huh. the way that they... Those tactics are a real thing. Like, you're basically... It's like a 13-year process. To Jeez. Do. Yeah, I remember the scene that I really liked was... And Uma Thurman's in it. Who else? Uh, can you pull up the cast list? Uh, Jude Law. Jude Law, is yeah. the, Jude Law is the guy who's who was the original astronaut. And kind of the plot of the movie, for those who don't know, um, Ethan Hawke is a brilliant scientist, but he has a, a heart condition that it leaves him unfit for space travel. And Jude Law is kind of... Mr. Astronaut. Well, they breed people. It's like genetics. Yeah. It's like if you read a Brave New World, like that, that was yeah. one of my first books I read actually in like eighth or ninth grade. That was like one of those crazy novels. I was like, wow, this is nuts. Same kind of concept. Like people are genetically set up to be. There's a term for what they use. Yeah, yeah. And but he he's basically, not. He's yeah, like, he can't. Ethan Hawke is the is the person that isn't meant to do this thing. Jude Law is. And it's Ethan Hawke basically taking Jude Law's identity to like be what he wants to be. Correct. Yes. And so and that whole dynamic brings up all kinds of questions, like and ethical the, questions, right? For sure. Exactly. It, it takes place in a world where people don't have flaws, right? Because they yeah. can be genetically modified out. And here, Ethan Hawke is like a, a victim of his like being, birth, yeah, yeah, being him. Yeah. So yeah, I haven't seen it same, in a while. It's the same thing as her, though, where they're going after this intangible, like, uh, like what I spirit is like a human spirit because basically i don't know if you guys remember there's a scene where the uh, ethan hawk's brother is is one of the genetically perfect people and they play chicken they they swim yeah. they swim out in the yeah, water. yeah yeah and he he never leaves anything for the way back side. you want to join us both you want to know how i did it this is how i did it anton i never saved anything for the swim back it's like that enduring spirit of him is like more important than the genetic predisposed like i'm going to be able to do this so it's him breaking all those kind of scientific things and there's more of a human element to and how far do we take the science right like is if you can breed someone so that they don't have vision problems is that a good thing or is that a bad thing like are our flaws flaws make us us? yeah yeah 
makes you unique it's and interesting. Individual. Yeah. Good good uh, suggestion. If you haven't seen it, Amazon Prime. I'm sure it's also um, <laughs> it's available on, on. Yeah, but <laughs> Prime it up. And um, on to Jordan. What was your suggestion? Your so sleeper my sleeper, guy? which I was surprised to see on one of your lists, is Solaris. Yeah, I, I kind of picked crazy. that list That's... because it's on there. So uh, I've never actually seen the original Russian one, which is supposed which to be great. I didn't know it existed yeah. until I researched it. Yeah. So I'm talking the George Clooney, like, 2000. Like and he, he, that was not when he was super famous. I mean, he was still a he's an ER and stuff. Yeah. I thought it'd be a nice sleeper because it's got like 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. It wasn't very well reviewed, oh, and yeah. I love it. Yeah, I thought that would be a sleeper for sure. Um, and it's sort of like, I liked comparing it to Minority Report because there's so much going on in Minority Report, and Solaris is just the opposite. It's like a really simple movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's really about exploring relationships. Well, kind of give them, give them what the plot is. George Clooney, at some point in the future, and without knowing much of anything, he takes a job to go rescue a spaceship, a shuttle with astronauts or whatever, scientists on it, who are not returning from their mission. They're mm-hmm. at some body in the universe called Solaris, and they're not responding, weird stuff's happening, so... Clooney goes goes out there to see what's going on, bring these guys back. As soon as he gets there, weird shit starts happening. And in his case, what we learn is that his dead wife, who committed suicide, appears out of nothing one day. And she's back. And his first reaction is, well, this is obviously not fucking normal. And he puts her into a space shuttle and launches her away. Mm-hmm. And she shows up again. And then he starts, like, thinking back about their relationship and their life together and what could he have done different to maybe keep her around. So now she's back and he's like, I know this isn't right, but, like, I need this. Mm -hmm. I want to make this right. And... Yeah, not getting, like, too... Yeah, I don't want to, like, go too far into it or anything. I remember when it was... It's about exploring relationships and the choices you make and now those have some serious effects down the road. And if you could do it over again, if you made one little decision differently, could that change everything? Yeah, and I remember when this movie was first came out, and me and you saw this together, Jordan, and we were a little confused because it was kind of billed as a monster movie, or like, uh, space, was like, George Clooney's in this place, and blah, like, it was billed as a thriller, and it's not a thriller. No, it's, it's, it's a slow, heavy, it's a, it's a slow burn. And it's kind of a heavy-themed, heavy... I don't want to say heavy as a bad thing, but it's kind of a... It's a deeper movie than just an action thriller, like... Because they kind of wanted you to think it was going to be something like... It's closer to 2001 than it is to Aliens. And they they really didn't package it the right way, and so that's why I think the ratings were a little lower and the turnout was not as good, because it wasn't the movie. And we can get into it a whole different day about why how Hollywood kills themselves packaging a movie the wrong way because you end up getting the people the people that come to see it are the people that are trying to are thinking it's going to be something else and you end up turning off the people that would originally have gone to see your movie so anyway i just think um, it's beautifully shot well yeah and then there's who directed it you know i think steven uh well there's that there's that great monologue too where he's talking about like chance and how like earth is just one in a billion and there's no higher reason um, for why that is, and I. He kind of goes on that. It's not a rant, but he's kind of just talking about it. They're it's at a, a really dinner great party, scene. and it's like him and his buddies, and yeah. they're all kind of on their high horse about like there is no God. It's right. all, and then his wife is just kind of like, 
you're a fucking asshole like yeah. i have this belief or whatever and right. you like feel for her like even personally like i'm more on the Clooney side yeah but i still like feel bad for her being scene. in that position like that position because it's like yeah. And, and then, then some random fight and she kills himself and the whole rest of his life he's left thinking like if I would have just done this one thing differently like mm-hmm. maybe I could be happy yeah and then uh, finally to bring it home before we do some quick tri- quick trivia uh, mine was Moon which was a Sam Rockwell who I'm a huge fan of he it's essentially a, a solo performance and he's an astronaut who is doing a mission on Mars or excuse me on the moon by moon set on mars um but uh he's doing a mission uh he's doing a mission on the moon and he comes across a broken vehicle and uh finds a duplicate of himself am i really a clone it is standard procedure for all new clones to be given tests to establish mental stability and general physical health Genetic abnormalities and minor duplication errors in the DNA can have considerable impact on... What about Tess? What about Eve? They are memory implants, Sam. Uploaded, edited memories of the original Sam Bell. So, um, it's not dealing with a bunch of new themes. Uh, The whole cloning or... or value of human life is kind of the main theme in this one. Um, He's basically just trying to give back to his wife... And his child, who we later in the movie find out they are recordings sent from NASA to keep the clones kind of in a in a proper state of mind while they're up there. But he's a clone who finds out that he's a clone. And uh, Kevin Spacey plays somewhat of a, a thing like Hal in Hal, 2001, yeah. where he's the computer system that talks to him. Uh, and Kevin Spacey's kind of perfect for it. And it's a really, just really cool movie. And it's a it's, it was a great vehicle for sam rockwell which i love so a movie that not many people have seen indie and it was more of my sleeper again it's not like changing the world of sci-fi it doesn't deal with enormous themes but it was a movie that i really dug and, and would suggest i was gonna say what happened to, i i feel like he should be in way more stuff he pops up not. every once in a while yeah. kills it and then you don't see him like, i just saw iron him on broadway do you remember that he was like uh, a villain in iron man do, do you remember oh yeah that was weird it's like, yeah, he was like a random that? villain. He's so good. Um, and he's like a voice on F is for Family on Netflix. Yeah. He, it's like, I mean, he does other stuff. And, and no, he I'm just did The like, Way Way Back random. was a movie he did where he was awesome. And that was he, still like a couple years ago. And he was awesome. He yeah, shines so in good. every single no, movie. So I think good. he's one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood. And yeah. this is definitely him doing his goddamn thing. There isn't a single person that's not like a video or an audio recording besides him in this movie. And he absolutely massacres it. So, yeah, those are some suggestions and some of our favorites. And uh, let's bring it home, bros, with some trivia here. Real quick, how about 2001? Because we never actually talked about it. Sort of dealing with artificial intelligence and it becoming self-aware and fighting back against it. Very common theme in sci-fi. We talk about that now all the time. That movie is 40, 50 years old. Yeah, and it's unbelievable the way. It's like that red light and... It's like villainous, but it's yeah. It's, but like the it, red light, the way they use yeah, the yeah, red yeah, light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. just such the filmmaking is so amazing. Like the, just like, like the astronaut tumbling throughout his space, and, and then the cut to the okay, red light. Okay. You know? But that scene though, where he's tumbling through our space, is just it's just one noise for like ten minutes straight. Yeah. It's that beeping noise. Oh, and there's Kubrick. all kinds of stuff like that. We're just like, I don't feel good right now watching this. Like I'm kind of creeped out, but I shouldn't yeah. be. I've already seen it. They didn't need the spike of the orchestra or anything. Yeah, no, it's no, terrifying it's just, just watching him. That's what it's like in space. Just floating away to your death in silence. Yeah. In 1968, he made a movie about a computer being a villain ahead of its time. For sure. he, everything he did was ahead of his time. 
Um, great movie. And just tackling, again, tackling a huge concept. Just there, an right? unbelievable huge The concept. entire existence and future existence of humankind. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. Got a lot of love for 2001. So this, uh, the trivia we're doing today is taglines. I'm going to read you some taglines. Any movies or sci-fi? I mean... They're sci-fi themed, but okay, I didn't okay. want to didn't yeah, want to narrow it down. Help me. You don't want to narrow yourself. Uh, but uh, so for example, um, in space, no one can hear you scream. Alien. There we go. Um, so that was actually one I wrote down, but I knew you guys would get right away. So I just. Oh, do they still do taglines in movies now? Yeah, they do. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna hear some. Interesting. So the first one is uh, still the ultimate trip. A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Back to the Future. I've got John in the room here. John, you got anybody? No one. That's 2001 A Space Odyssey. What? That's their tagline for that movie. Which what is it again? Still the ultimate trip. I don't fucking know why that was... You know, it's kind of clever because it's kind of a mindfuck movie too. Yeah, he just wants to... He's oh, that, to ah, that makes sense. The trip is not what I was thinking. I'm stupid. The next one I have is... He's the only kid ever to get in trouble before he was born. Uh, Terminator. I have no idea. Yeah. Back to the Future. What? Think about it. Wait, who? Still yeah, the only really kid ever. Still the only kid ever to get in trouble before he was I born. I guess John Connor wasn't getting in trouble. Either. The question of whether or not we are alone in the universe has been answered. Oh, John's face just fucking. The question uh, to whether or not we are alone in the universe has been answered. This uh, is kind of a famous oh, one. Independence Day. Yeah, oh, there you nice. go. John, I am going to give that one to John. Can't give that one to Harris. Nice. It's our planet. It's their war. The War of the Worlds? No. <laughs> Science. Science? No. Alien vs. Predator. Had to put that in there for Hayes. Alien vs. Predator. AVP. Great, great sci-fi monster mashup. We saw a midnight viewing of that. Yeah, it was so bad. Yeah, so it was, uh, I think the whole audience hated it. One of the most disappointing because we were super hyped. We for were it. hyped for that we movie. So it was like a dream yeah. come true, and we totally yeah. fell for it. Yeah, we paid money for that. Uh, an adventure sixty-five million years in the making. Is that Jurassic Park. Guide? No, Jurassic Park. An adventure sixty-five million years in the making. This is hard. And then finally, your future is in his hands. There Terminator. it is. There it is. Terminator. All right. Well, from everyone here in Austin, we're going to get back out to the pool and get drunk. But thank you for listening. Thank you for Mike and Jordan and our audience member, John. And- no. The Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye.